Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get into this week's show, some of you who are Count the Dings listeners and bomb listeners may already know that the Count the Dings family lost uh, one of our members, Michael Brooks. Suddenly, I'm a new member of the Count the Dings family, as you guys know, but uh, Michael was a respected and loved part of this organization, community, whatever you want to call this great thing we have here at Count the Dings. And his loss is greatly felt and greatly mourned. So I want to send out um, thoughts and condolences, not only to Michael's family, but to my family here at Count the Dings, who are mourning not just a colleague, but a friend. And remind all of you, you know, even in this time of uncertainty, we are worried about, you know, the pandemic and, and exposure to a virus, but life still moves swiftly in a myriad of other ways. So please tell them that you love them today. Tell them how you feel about them today. Keep your loved ones close, friends close. Tom, stand still for no one. This is your Bomb Wednesday service. I am Naren back with you for another week thank you guys for that because you have been listening and commenting and um you know coming back to us with your thoughts and as always i have with me kind sir would you like to introduce yourself as always karen phillips here again as the offering to pastor naima uh (laughs) taking the money and telling you every week as always stop giving that white man your money so Okay, I have to explain. We have another guest with us, um, my good friend, Mary Pryor. Mary, Karin's offering to stop giving that quote-unquote white man your money is about Sean King. That's his mission statement for the show. But at any rate, could you please introduce yourself, Mary? Because I neglected to ask you for a bio. And I can introduce you off top of my head, but I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. Because you do a multitude of things. You have your tentacles in a multitude of areas. The first thing I want to say, because this is how I came to know you, is that you are one of the foremost um, Black women in the cannabis space. Is that appropriate to say? As a cool person, and I worked in the music industry, and then I got tired (laughs) of users. And then I moved over into advertising and got tired of um, making advertisements with hip-hop music for the white man. And I got into cannabis about three years ago because I'm trying to be ahead of the curve and act like I know what I'm talking about. 
so far I've been right. You know, people right. getting lit right now because we ain't got nothing else to do. Right. So business is good. Um, <laughs> but I originally come out of design and tech. Um, I love music, but, you know, niggas is niggas and it's hard at times. Niggas is niggas. I might get a t-shirt that says niggas is That niggas. is the greatest Actually, quote of all time. <laughs> I really might get a t-shirt and I had... I used uh-huh. to be I used to be funny for I used to be funny on purpose, but I stopped because now I got to be serious and make sure I get my gun shooting together for the revolution. Right. So the other thing about Mary, uh, as my friend that I will say about her is that she is also like she's like holistic wellness slash survivalist slash futurist slash like, like basically I was all of it if I have to, but I'm vegan. Right. Like I'm not I'm not too good to eat pork and I'm not too good to wear a fur coat either because I'm from Detroit. Amen. Amen. Cause you are from Detroit. That would be like like you will your Detroit citizenship would be revoked if you if you denounce fur, I believe. One hundred percent. There are there are certain things like wait, 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 wait. Bear, you from the east side or the west side? I'm from the northwest side. Yeah, see, see, she's honest. She is. See, I'm from Saginaw. I know. I had to yeah. ask you that question. You, see? you could, you, you was about to get your feelings hurt if you tried to come at me because you're from. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't, don't ever like. Meet me at Bell Let's go. <laughs> so It'll before, take you two hours to get there. So before this turns into the Detroit metro area podcast, which nobody is going to be on. Not even metro. Not metro. Metro. It's not the metro. Not metro. That is not metro. Not the metro area. Not metro. It's not the metro area. Not the metro. Mm-mm. Before this becomes the Michigan tri-state area podcast, Saginaw Black is not Detroit Black. We gon' cause cause literally nobody who's not from the area knows what y'all talking about right now. So we're gonna we're gonna move forward. The reason I have Mary supremacy. The reason I have Mary here today is because she is extremely and uniquely qualified to chime in on our topic, our 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 sermon topic of today, if you will. Um, last week we touched on the fact that Chance was you know trying to make political arguments about Kanye and was basically out kicking his intellectual coverage. And we talked a little bit about how just because, you know, you can string some words together and put a sentence, you know, put together a sentence and and actually type out a cohesive thought in a tweet. And because you do show sparks of brilliance in some areas do not mean that that stretches across the spectrum of public discourse. And the very next day, the data show hit. I was so mad. The data show hit. Naima blew up my phone. The data show hit. Nick Cannon provided an example. And it wasn't just Nick. He kicked off an example of exactly what the fuck we were talking about. Because Nick had done a podcast with a gentleman called Prof- that is well known as Professor Griff. To people in the hip hop community, or if you also or, know or, who he is, Soleil's husband, who well, was a dude after Genuine. But then we would have to explain who Soleil is, and that's just a whole. Nut, if you listen the, to this podcast and you don't know who Soleil and JT they, Money is, you they, should not be listening to this podcast. No, no, let's not say that because we are also here to educate. Don't forget that. So let's not let's not make that a standard. That, that's, that's why you the pastor. That's, that's why not a benchmark. I, I'm so, sorry, pastor. <laughs> so. Um, Richard Griffin, a.k.a. Professor Griff, used to be most commonly known as the Minister of Information for Public Enemy. 
until in 1989, anti-Semitic comments stirred up so much controversy that not only did Chuck D have to sit him down, Chuck actually broke up the group. Like, literally did a press conference and broke up the group. The only reason they didn't stay broken up is because they had just released this little itty-bitty song called Fight the Power that was in this little itty-bitty film called Do the Right Thing that just happened to blow the fuck up. And so, obviously, they had... I see you doing your flavor dance. Karn's doing his flavor flavor dance. Um, so, anyway, Nick did, a, Nick did a pod with Professor Griffin. Well, with uh, Professor Griff. <laughs> to talk about... Uh, the relationship between black people and Jewish people, because that's all that Professor Griff talks about. And it's not so much that I want to go into all the different points that they got into, because we'll be here all day. But suffice to say that some anti-Semitic things were said. And Viacom then decided to part ways with Nick, who is not only a producer of Wild and Out, but is, was also the chairman of Teen Nick, and with whom he's had a long-standing relationship. And a whole bunch of black people were coming out in defense of Nick and being really wrong. Like, being really, really wrong. Like, loud and wrong, half wrong, partially wrong, all the way wrong, intentionally and unintentionally. And that's, and that's kind of what I wanted to touch on, because we have this space of quote-unquote, wokeness, right, as black folks. And we go through it at different phases of our lives. Most people have, like, this enlightenment and this awakening to a new um, segment of learning and knowledge and materials that you can find. And, you know, somebody gives them Carter G. Woodson, the miseducation of the Negro, and somebody gives them something else and, like, your eyes open up and it's just like, Ooh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know about. Um, and most of us go through that in our like early 20s, late teens coming out of college. But the thing is, Nick just came out of college. He just came out of Howard, like, just a couple of years ago. But um, did he graduate? Because, you know, a long reputation of, of, of claiming people who do not have degrees. I don't know if he graduated. He was, I don't even know if he was in a four-year program, but he was in some kind of a program. So he's having, like, the kind of cultural black awakening that a lot of us have at a younger age, at a much older age. And he's having it as like a superstar, right? So there's that. The other part of it is that, and, and a lot of us get to a point where we, we learn extremes and then we find our way back to the middle, right? So like we go through a bit of an indoctrination, a bit of a radicalization, and we find our way back to the middle. Um, he's going through that process in real time in front of a lot of people with a lot at stake. The other part of that is that there's, in my opinion, an education that a lot of us don't do. There's a lot of research and self-educating that a lot of us do not opt to do in terms of other historically persecuted and oppressed peoples that we ask white people to do about us. And I think that the Jewish, the Jewish people are one of those with whom we assume we know everything, but like we may not know everything. So even in watching Nick's interview, there were some things he said that were a little bit, I guess what you could consider coded. And I was even trying to break down to some of my friends, like why those things actually are really anti-Semitic. And like people were kind of like, Oh, I didn't know. I, there are some things I didn't know until I actually went to Israel four years ago, right? So I knew I switched my, I shifted my thinking 
about some casual things I used to say. Like, for example, the fact that even casually saying something like Jews control everything, which is something that sometimes black people actually say in a bit of respect and reverence because we actually admire the cohesiveness of the community is rooted in anti-Jew propaganda, right? So like just knowing those kind of things is something that I think is helpful. So Nick is going through his own awakening, but I wanted to bring Mary here because I wanted to talk a little bit about like, Mary, we're in this period, right? Like there's always, there's always been this dialogue. There's always been this like, y'all are sheep, y'all are following blindly, you know, people teaching the ISIS papers, people teaching, you know, all this other stuff. But it usually has kind of happened in like, more marginalized areas and now we have the internet so we have you know the doc the dr umars and griff isn't really on twitter like that but we have even well-meaning people like a charlemagne or a nick or whomever who have a mixture of some common sense and like some hotep nonsense mixed in together um my mom asked me the other year when hotep became a bad word because she's a child of Howard's, graduated in, you know, the late 60s. And to her, Hotep still means something good. So I was hoping, can you break down for us? And the reason I'm asking you to break down for us is because you have grown up around five percenters, what we call Hotep folks, the earthy folks, the Ankh folks, the... What's and up? the super Christians. And yeah, the what's up, black and people, all that. and the Christians, and all that. So can you give us a little bit of a perspective of like, I, I'm going to call it a crisis of the, a crisis of wokeness, where it's like, you feel like you're so, you feel like you're so enlightened or so ahead of the curve that you're really still blind to a, all kinds of other stuff you don't know, I guess, for lack of a better word. So uh, let's, let's talk about the history of a uh, migration for, um, people that came into the northern areas um, of what we call the United States mm. currently um, from the south and based upon like the industrial period. So you we have like- other sons if you never have, by the way, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's um, I just want to give historical context. So yeah. Ashkenazi Jews in particular from Germany and Eastern Europe migrated heavily to the north and the Midwest for factory industrial jobs around the same time as our ancestors coming from the South, coming into like New York City, duh, mm -hmm. Detroit, duh, right. Cleveland, Chicago, Boston, Philly. Um, and if you notice, those enclaves have very deep Jewish communities, right. either on like, um, you know, direct Israeli side, Syrian side, like it, it's all there, right? And so what people, you know, miss is that the migration period for black people and this particular sect of Jewish folks really started in the 1900s. Um, so you have that happening at the same time, and you have this culture clash that occurs, but at the same time, you have the AJC, which is uh, the American Jewish Committee, um, the, AG, the other AJC, which is American Jewish Congress, and the Anti-Defamation League, who donated a lot of money to the civil rights movement. We're talking SNCC, we're talking... Congress of Racial Equality, we're talking urbanly, we're talking NAACP, like a lot of the money being funded to progress our movements did come from Jewish citizens. So I just want to make sure that there's like a historical context of, yes, right. this migration clash was happening, but there's also a lot of money that is funded and still funds a lot of um, 
black progressive movements, whether we, whether we find them relevant now or not. Um, so with that being said, you know, there's this clash that really happened um, with Scarvey um, and a lot of people within New York that were Jewish comparing Garvey to um, Zionism that created a little bit of a clash as well. Not really a little bit of a clash, like a, a reasonably big clash. Um, Zionism was talking about a return of Jews after 2,000 years to the homeland of Israel. Um, and Garvey was very, very kind of like um, critical of Jews, saying that they were trying to destroy the black population of America. Now, where did that come from? Um, you know, it came from really the New York era of the clash between black folks and Jewish folks based upon that period. Um, and then we have like a lot of just like really interesting dynamics happening in the South with Jewish folks and black folks. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of um, anti-Semitic movement coming in from the KKK and the Nazi party that was established in the U.S., which is a real thing that happened in the 30s and the 40s, <laughs> um, which also infiltrated into communities to kind of spread more items that are definitely stuck in um, anti-Semitism. Um, and so there's a lot more historical context to this. Um, there's a lot more... If I could piggyback off that, bringing it forward a little, a little bit, and the reason that it's important to, um, or or how it has shown up in Black people our age, meaning like Gen X and and older millennials, is, you know, early in the hip hop movement, there was a very large influence of um, of some different sects of Islam. So like straight up Islam, the Nation of Islam. And five percent nation, which is another offshoot of 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 uh, a form of Islamic um, observation, and so that whole first conscious era of hip hop, like in the late eighties to early nineties, you would hear five percent references, you know, all, all kinds of references, the gods and the earths, and and you know, everybody had the black medallions. So there was it was like a combination of 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 black nationalism, back to Africa movement you know, um, 5% nation of Islam, everybody was reading out biography of Malcolm X and wearing like Nefertiti pins and Egyptian, I mean, Nefertiti medallions and Egyptian musk, but it was like all mixed up in together. But right? this is how we, this is, so this is how we get here to the entertainment industry. Right. So Jewish producers produced many of the first black films that ever were created in period right. and music. Um, right. We're talking about jazz. We're talking about your Scott yeah. Joplin. We're talking about that. We're talking about, you know, the Mr. Even coming Show. Up, oh, I'm sorry. Even coming up to Soul with like a Matt Ergotron yes. and Atlantic. And, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. The Minstrel Show was mostly produced by Jewish producers. So mm -hmm. a lot of the stereotypes that have already existed that were created by, you know, the oppressor um, and white folks um, definitely mixed into what Jewish folks had used um, either trying to be sympathetic by supporting black art or the other side of that, which is exploitative. So there's, there is a historical context to all of this. There's landlord tenant mm -hmm. relations that um, even W.E.B. Du Bois and James Baldwin wrote about in their books in mm -hmm. regards to the dynamics of how Jewish landlords treated black tenants and overcharged black folks to pick. Like this is documented stuff from writers, right? right. So understand that 
I want folks to know that this isn't like just birthed out of like the 70s or the 80s or whatever. Like this is a long-standing thread of our dynamics based upon a lot of things, right? Right. Which is really led by like a lot of things outside of us, which are also created by us as well. So the, the intermingling of why this is important is because this is also the foundation of why there's a dynamic of still viewing Jews as oppressors and black folks as people that have been exploited. And this is all part of like this narrative, which is yes, historical in context, but still driven by white supremacy. Right. And Um, I think there's also, there's also a, if we're going to entertainment specifically, and I mean, even outside of entertainment, there is also kind of like a, um, I don't want to call it like a jealousy, but there is a mix of both like awe and kind of, um, I, I would say like a little bit of a little bit of resentment of like how tight knit the Jewish community is as opposed to what we perceive the the black diasporic community to be. And there's a few reasons for that. One thing, there's there's more of us. We come from so many different places. Like it's, it just could it couldn't really happen that way. So it is it's disingenuous to even ever say like, well, why can't black people just do it like Jewish? It's not it's not we're not apples to apples by any means. So when we get to the relationship between blacks and entertainment and sports and Jewish people, the dynamic does tend to be our label heads, right? Agents, lawyers, business managers, um, versus talent. And I think that in the case of Griff and talking to Nick, this was the case, you know, Nick has mentioned that like his business manager is Jewish. I mean, his partner, his business partner is Jewish. He didn't apparently socialize this conversation with him before he brought it to, to Griff. You know, Griff obviously being in hip hop, one of the big things when he did his interviews in 89 was that he was calling out Lior and calling out um, Rick Rubin and calling, you know, calling out like whoever was the head of CBS who at the time was distributing Def Jam. And there have always been these players like, in behind the scenes in black music, behind the scenes of black entertainment, because to your point, Mary, these are people who would invest in us when white financiers wouldn't, right? So again, it's like a really interwoven relationship, but I do still think that there's this impression with black people that Jewish people are so powerful that you know, why should they be insulted if we say they control everything? Or why should they be insulted if we talk about how much money they have? Or why should they be insulted if we say X, Y, Z? And I think that's what Nick got caught up in. And again, that in and of itself is the same kind of propaganda that was happening during World War II. But I think like, you know, from the, I can talk about the dynamics of this with historical context. And I can give you like actual factual things that break down everything from Like, I can talk about court cases that amplify these issues that stem from, like, the 70s. I can talk about the differentiation of, like, the different rules that were created by a lot of Black-led civil rights movements. I can even tell you the different activists that led the largest, like, Jewish landlord-tenant movement issues or just, like, calling for right. I can name that all to you like that because I have history and I went at reference. But I think what's crazy is that, you know, like— a lot of us repeat a lot of racist, anti-Semitic, anti-Black things to ourselves about ourselves without knowing that it comes from white colonialism. Right. Um, and I think that 
a lot of what we like to do in general, and this is outside of this issue, is that human beings want to have answers for everything. We yes. want to have answers as to why this is happening and why this is happening. We still can't accept that, like, things just happen. Everything right. has to be black and white. Like, there has to be... Or, like, you know, Nipsey just got shot. Right. You know, like, yeah. Nip- Nipsey, unfortunately, just got shot. Right, right. right. Um, you know, uh, we, unfortunately, due to nature, have a pandemic. It happens every hundred or so, who God knows years or so. Right. There's no 5G correlation, but because someone made it, <laughs> it makes sense. So, you know, like... Yeah. The internet is killing us! <laughs> yeah. Right? But right. I think that what... I have sympathy for Nick, and I also know that Nick was wrong. Right? right. I have sympathy for Nick in the fact of, like, he clearly did not have the background to understand... Um, how to either speak about this the way that I am, mm-hmm. um, which isn't saying that I'm giving you historical referencing context right. to what these things are. Right. Professor Richard Griffin, because that is what uh, Nick called him in a tweet. Like he removed the Professor Griffin said. Richard, yeah, Richard Griffin. He made it very like someone from PR took over his account. We know right. that. Right. Um, but, you know, Griff isn't coming with that perspective. And if he is, it's really suited out of something that is more so on the, uh, I want to say more militant side, which isn't a bad thing or a good thing, but it's also labeled with a top of other things that are driven by like facts that may or may not be true, mostly not true. Um, And so, you know, while there is clear that there is a, dialogue that needs to really occur with black and Jewish folks to go over all of this. Um, Without it being the oppression Olympics. It doesn't need to be the oppression Olympics. It doesn't need to be, you know, like the Holocaust, like that shit was real. I don't know why we're trying to remove that from history. And also the African Holocaust is real. Right. As, as, as hell. Right. Right. It's, we can have both. right? Right. Right. I don't understand why we're living in a world where it's like, well, that can't happen. Only this can happen. No, right. the world is bigger than just your world. All of these can occur at right. the same time. Yes, there is an issue with black and Jewish relations. Also, there are a lot of things driven through white supremacy embedded in both of these narratives that have driven us further apart based upon Jewish people feeling that black people are inferior based off of white colonialism and white supremacy or black folks feeling that Jewish folks are trying to take everything away based upon their assimilation into white colonialism and white supremacy. All of that is actually true, right? Right. All of that can exist. Um, But the oppression Olympics, when so many facts show so many support with Jewish folks putting money into civil rights actions and things of that nature. And really, you know, whether you like it or not producing a lot of black, careers. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we wouldn't What are you have, doing? What are you doing, Nick? Like, yeah, we wouldn't have, and, 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 and my thing is I get that Nick has been schooled and kind of, you know, had his coat pulled and, and been enlightened. I think I was shocked at the number of people and Karin, you can chime in here. I was shocked at the number of people who were so quick to defend him a without watching the video, but even in watching the clip, even in watching the first clip, like the more innocuous-ish clip, I already was like, this is a problem. And I was shocked at how many people didn't see that. 
But it goes back to your point. I wasn't shocked that people jumped on the bandwagon to defend Nick because it went back to your point where you're like, y'all had sympathy for Nick. Like, right. I don't. Because <laughs> Candy willingly set up an interview with Professor Griff. I figured it was, I figured it was intentional to, to blow up a grenade. What you're getting with him. So right. if you want to have a conversation or if you want to agree with him, if you want to agree with him, cool. That's your decision. If you want to have a conversation, that is a person where you need to go and do the work and know your information, like Mary, if you're going to have this conversation with somebody like that. And that was the main point I got about what a lot of stuff that Mary said and you said is that people don't want to actually do the work. And a lot of those people look like us. And we can say people don't want to do the work about a number of different discussions, topics, mm -hmm. or scenarios. They get to a certain place, they think they know something, and they're like, oh, I got this. And it's like, no. Nick Cannon is having his hotel moment that every freshman has their, mm -hmm. first, their first semester at HBCU. When you start buying all the T-shirts, when you start <laughs> all the literature, and right. you start, you know, just believing in call this, that by sophomore year and spring semester, you look back and you just like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, that right. shit makes no sense. And as yeah. old as Nick Cannon is, and as much money he's had, as much success he's had, cool. You want to better yourself. You want to go back to school. I get all that, but bruh, did you have to do it publicly? Like, and me and you have had these conversations about how this generation loves to take public L's, and Nick Cannon's ass is too damn old to take that public L. I agree with that. He's he's too old and he's too deep in the game to take the public L. I do think, though, that he is now um, going to try to learn and I think he's going to try to set things straight, and that is one thing we also, like, we're in a place of extremes, right? So so if somebody does something wrong, we absolutely should call them out. But then it's like, if they don't apologize, we criticize them because they don't apologize. If they do apologize, we're like, don't apologize now because you done did the stuff and we don't want to accept it. But you know why? why? But there's a reason. Because it's a theology that I live by. Failure is my greatest teacher. My second greatest teacher is watching other people fail. Nick Cannon has watched enough people fail to where he didn't have to fail in the way that he But did. has he? I gotta remember that Nick's been, like, in a bubble. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Nick's been all-American, Nickelodeon, you know, all that stuff type guy. And, and, and maybe he... I don't know. I'm trying to give Nick the benefit of a doubt. Because definitely... And I don't... And I want to move on after Why? this. I don't want to <laughs> spend too much time on Nick. Um... Because I believe he's well-intended, and people who I know who know him say he's well-intended, and I do know people around him who mean well, but, but watching him go through this, this is the problem with, like, and I hate using the phrase woke, and I actually hate using the phrase hotel, but unfortunately, they're the best all-encompassing descriptors. I feel like they're oversimplified, but they're the best all-encompassing descriptors. But the problem is, with with both of these, is that there is some actual education and learning and good theology and good history that these people are learning and or sharing. The problem is that it gets mixed in with some bullshit, right? And people don't always know how to separate the wheat from the, sh from the chaff, right? So you end up with, and, and, and it also baffles me that like, 
if your argument is you can't trust the public education system, you can't trust what mainstream media has already shown you, has always shown you, and you have to go and seek out for yourself, meaning with black narratives and black history, which I agree with, why would we not assume we need to do the same for other cultures, religions, ethnicities, et cetera, instead of just like, don't you see what I'm saying? Isn't it, hip- isn't it hypocritical to be like, do I don't work. trust what the white man says about me, but I'm going to take this book that this black person wrote about Jewish people. You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that, isn't that hypocritical? Yeah. But people at the base of that is that all of those people don't want to do the work. And that's what Nick Cannon didn't want to do. You have to do the work. Everybody wants a success. Everyone wants to stature. Everyone wants to look smart, but don't nobody want to study and read. Right. Everybody wants to look smart. And that said, so that segues to the next person I want to speak about who also falls under this woke umbrella and who I guess has always been labeled as a conscious rapper, which I also conscious conscious rappers also have bullshit as a term anyway, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, can we just can we just dead that in one sentence? Cause I I figured out what it is. What is it? Less niggas less bling, niggas more Africa. Don't rap, rap about drugs aren't necessarily <laughs> just conscious rappers. Right. Just because the nigga grew up in a two-parent home or went to college and got some sort of credit hours. I think we talked about that about Kanye. Rapper. We talked about that about Kanye last week, right? Yeah, yeah. but still, here so, we are again. But like, so to J. Cole. So to live Kwali who is allegedly a conscious rapper, who is, you know, a contemporary, actually a little earlier than um, EA, but like a contemporary of like Most Deaf and and The Roots and and that crew. I think he's like a an affiliate of, of the Star, Black Star, all that shit. No, Black Star, Gangstar is way before them. Anyway, Talib likes to argue on the Twitters under the guise of like intellectual discourse. Or whatever have you. And I actually stopped following Talib like four years ago because his arguing got to be a little bit too much to take. But I guess since Trump came into office, he's been spending most of his time arguing with racists and white supremacists and people on the right. So his fans kind of take it as a piece of entertainment and they feel like he's been doing something that's kind of righteous and justified because they feel like he's like the like like the race like the racist fighter, right? He's like the anti-racist guy. Except the thing is, like, Talib is actually an equal opportunity arguer, but he's always especially had a thing about arguing with black women. I see that Naima's trying to get um, added and hashtagged for about five five weeks for fun. You know what? And I've been, and I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't necessarily invite it. I'll do it for you. But I'll I'm, do it for you. But I've thought about it. But I've, th- I've thought about, I've thought about what if, because I'd be putting stars in his name when I tweet it and shit, all kinds. Well, I'll I know tell you this. I'll name. do it for you. I helped to live when he was getting attacked right. years ago. Yeah. And it really disappoints me, even during that interaction of how he was treating the person who was I asked as a favor to help him out was right. not great and I'm not gonna name as them. soon as yeah. she hears this and I send it to her she's gonna be like yep I have the emails and everything so if he right. wants to try to come for me you can do that because right. I will I know how I know how to trigger you to make you say some crazy shit and get you kicked off Twitter don't do it right. so you know like I'm really disappointed that that's happening I do think that overall like 
I want people to mind their business as a general theme this year so that people can stay on their goals and not deal with celebrities or anybody, but and, like and entanglements. And entanglements. But but Mary, I, I hadn't even really I hadn't explained what had happened yet. So there was a young lady who I guess was having a conversation about colorism. Um, because t- so 2020 seems to be like a year of all around enlightenment and transparency and everybody is trying to better their internal discourse and external discourse. So one of those conversations internally amongst us black folks has been not just what are we asking of white people, but what are we asking of ourselves? So the colorism issue has come up again because we do, you know, there is a perpetration, uh, perpetuation of, um, like, like Mary said, you know, colonialism that we even keep going amongst ourselves. So the young lady was talking about colorism and somebody mentioned rappers who were married to black women or, and, or in long-term relationships with black women. She retweeted the tweet and said, uh, almost, and, and Talib was named in there. And she said, almost all of these rappers are married to light skinned women, but that's a conversation for another day. That's almost verbatim what she said. Talib searches his name on Twitter, which in and of itself is a problem. But he finds it. And for the last two weeks and change... According to Bossip, we're at 13 days and counting. 13 days? He is a grown-ass man. But he passed 13 days. I can't even really describe it to you guys. I'm just going to tell you guys to go to his timeline. Because honestly, no matter what I... I wait, 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 wait. I, wait, wait. I, I got a better question. You're not going to believe it unless you go look at it. I got a better question since I have two black women here. This is what I want to know as a black man who only deals with black women. How would you feel if you were in a relationship with a black man who was tweeting at a black woman for 13 days and counting? Well, I would like to I'd like to stand up and yes. say that I would um, dump him immediately. I would think that he is um, ridiculous. Thank yeah. you. Um, and uh, I know that, I mean, but from what I understand, look, man, I'm not trying to be in nobody's marriage. All I'm saying I'll be in it. His wife already logged on last, on last Friday. His wife, who I, who I feel like is, never mind, I'm going to that, but his wife logged in on last Friday. She's a DJ. And said, she tweeted two things. The first thing was, Listen, I'm sorry if he's upset anybody, but he likes to argue. He likes to engage better y'all than me because I can't really deal with it. And then a second tweet to basically be like, if she has him blocked, this shouldn't really matter. And then she locked her page. So that's what his wife thinks. Wow. But she was basically like, I would rather he be on the internet with y'all motherfuckers than hitting me in the head over some shit in the crib while I'm just trying to sit and watch TV right now. That's what it felt like to me. So he carries that energy everywhere, apparently. But I just wonder if, like, my thing is, like, to what end, right? So so this is the problem. So Talib is one of those people, and, and this is why he's relevant. He's one of those Hold people. on one second. Is this still going? Is yeah. this still going? It's yeah. still going. It's wow, still, it's really still going. It's really what's still the, going. What's the metrics on this? I'm gonna do some data. <laughs> Hold on, guys. I'm gonna do some data. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get in my criminal minds um, segment. You know when they be like typing stuff, and then you be seeing all the all the data. I'm gonna do that for you. Okay. Yo, yo, Mary's looking for the unsung, the uh, the unsub on criminal minds. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, 
it's still going. But the other thing is, like, Talib is one of those people who imagines himself to be far more superior intellectually than the average person, right? So his thought is that he can outsmart, outreason, outmaneuver, out whomever, whoever his... He's actually called this woman his enemy. He said that. He's like, she is my enemy. Call who, his enemy. How many degrees does Talib Kweli have? Like, I just want to... just put does Talib Kweli have? How many degrees does he have? Uh, child, I don't know. But he, but again, he would be a person for whom he would say like the world is his teacher. I don't know. So, so my question, he adds like two new people to yeah, the girl. Yeah, every 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 tweet. So, it, so it's like he, like, so he like he like adds a new member. Like like is it like like how if anybody defends her, right? Whether they at her or not, when he responds to them, he quote RTs them and tags her back in. So if anybody tweets him like, "Yo, what are you doing? Why have you been gone this long? You need to chill," he'll then get on them for a little while. But every time he responds to them, it's a quote RT tagging them and adding her back in every time. Hmm. So, so the thing is that he knows she's been blocked. She said she's had him blocked all this time. So all that really is, is to me a call out to followers to be like, but y'all can get at her. To me. Obviously, that this isn't something that can be... No, picked. that's not to you. That's no. what he's doing. That's what he's doing. But, but what else would be the point, right? So you are... To live, gotta be on... Gotta be close to 50. Got it. Because he's older than me. So, I'm just like, so... What are you doing? We in the middle... Not only are we oh in the middle of a pandemic, we are in the middle of a fucking revolution, black man. So if you are this conscious-minded for the people... Black man. He has a lot this, of time to do this. This is the best use of your energy right now is to attack a woman who, by the way, and by the way, this is now being covered in blogs. People are paying attention. We all know, those of us who know people at Twitter know they've been looking at it. Mary, you and I have had this conversation and he is just staying like right on the line, right on the right line. Oh my God. But like, really, this is what you think is best for you to do right now. This. I think we should have a poll and like who is a bigger um, who represents the phrase Twitter for Talib Kweli or Meek Mill. I think that should be the poll. Um, uh, which tough guy is the toughest on the internet? It actually not in real life. That's that's the poll we should have. That would be a hard poll to to uh, to quantify. Um, but the other thing, the thing that disturbs me more is that. I haven't seen somebody may have called him privately. I haven't seen any men from the hip hop community call him out publicly. And I feel like even You mean the same men that were sharing for Fab doing verses a couple weeks ago, even though ain't nobody called him out for what he did to old girl? But okay, let me let me be quiet for I you mean know. I I get it. You know, you know. I just speak the truth, but I'm 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 a chill. I'm just saying, I feel like when you've been going this long publicly, the call out needs to also be public. That's all I'm saying. That's all I, I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm with, I'm I also I also wonder if he really is like, what's your end game, dude? He's he said that he wants her to apologize and or delete her account. But I'm also just like, have you have you taken into consideration 
the good the amount of goodwill that you're losing, he doesn't seem to care. That's what actually scares me. That he doesn't seem to be weighing how much public goodwill he's currently losing. Because there are those of us who's known who've known that he does this shit, and a lot of people who are baffled about this right now. And and that's the part that I, that's the part where I'm like, this is not normal. But according to you, like. You're very smart. You're educated. You actually know shit. You stopped following a long time. I'm smart. I'm educated. I never follow him. I feel like the people who are actually smart ain't been a part to this bullshit for the for the for the all of anyway. Got caught up in seeing him dress down and take down races, right? That I I I just want this to stop. This is still going. It's very scary. This it's is really scary. scary. It's 13 days and gone. It's legitimately it's scary. Really scary. But, but Mary, this brings us to the other part that I want to bring you in on. So I definitely feel like to live is having some kind of a, a manic break. But that could be like a manic break from lack of sleep or a manic break from stress or a manic break from something else. But I also recognize that people have been looking to live and fucking yay who Dave Chappelle is apparently on a mission to go save right now in Wyoming or some shit um and and kind of blaming mental health for their behavior can you please cuz you are you are a better suited person than I to talk about this can you you went into this a little bit on Instagram live the other day can you speak to that a little like why that's the wrong approach to take Mental health does not make you um, racist or um, anti-black or ready to like hate or show that you do not understand how to deal with women. Mm -hmm. I think that people when they have challenges or they have chemical imbalances connected to um, mental health you know, you have to assess a lot of different things that a lot of folks with overnight doctorate degrees in psychology that they got these past two Shout years. out to the overnight doctorate degrees. Yo, I want to know, how can I get mine? But, you know, <laughs> like, I think that when we talk about mental health um, and the things that go along with the psychology of that and what we're seeing right now, those two aren't, those are nowhere near mutually exclusive. Right. I think that for people that are Black and given our relationship to mental health and the lack of things that we do for ourselves right. um, and it comes to addressing those issues that have been part of our family dynamics or part of our environment for so long we do not even know the relationship that we have to understanding our mental health mm -hmm. and we will do what we can based upon headlines youtube videos and misinformed um facts mm -hmm. uh, or just ill non-really prepared arguments to utilize that to assign that if you're acting like this, then you have this. If you're acting like this, then you have that. And it's not like that. You do not relate um, mania. And mania is a different level of different mania. Like there can be mania in the level of um, something that is small as like a depressive episode where you don't speak or you might not, you know, want to clean or you might lose the self of self-care. Or there might be an episode where you're just overly anxious, overly excited, very, very... Like, mania can show up in different ways. Um, mania doesn't show up as anti-blackness or um, 
not being able to relate to talk to people like normal human beings. Right. Um, so, you know, like blaming a manic attack on what Talib is doing isn't fair to people that actually do have real issues. Um, right. And as for Kanye, like, you know, he's had issues beyond um, just when his mother passed that have right. been items that he've had to, he's had to deal with people who actually work in the industry and have done that know this. Mm-hmm. And most of us who have that and know this take either the Dave Chappelle approach or we keep our mouths quiet. And that's right. pretty much, and, and that can, you can always tell someone that actually knows there's a different conversation that you can have about understanding him. That's different from what are hot takes from your girlfriends that, just can't let graduation go and they feel like right. now they gotta think of all this crazy shit to define what this man is doing. Go like, ahead, Karin, sorry. Like Mary I everything Mary said, like she nailed it because like I am someone who grew up in a family to where one of my grandmothers before she passed, uh, was was mentally ill and in my lifetime I lost count of when I even got to the age of how many times she had to be institutionalized. I grew up in a family where my mother and my other grandmother uh, were teachers for the mentally and physically handicapped and impaired. I have been around people with mental issues all of my life. And we are in this moment that when anytime someone does something, I am happy that mental health and mental awareness are at a level where people are taking it serious. But we're also in this moment where everybody is using it as an excuse sometimes when that is not the case happening. And it is taking away from the actual issues that people go through. And that's the most infuriating thing to me. Just because somebody is stupid or they choose to do some dumb shit, we're like, oh, their mental health. And it's like, that ain't mental health. That nigga just dumb as hell. And they have chosen to be dumb as hell. Well, when yay, we all know. I mean, listen, it's. it's, I'm not talking about yay at all. I know you're not. But well, yay specifically, there's multiple things that are true at one time. The first thing is that. Kanye is, per his own admission and and from others, like diagnosed bipolar and chooses sometimes to not be on medication, which we can kind of tell when those episodes happen. We can see the difference in in, in his behavior. And he's told us for years in his music. Correct. So there's that part. The other part is that this has now been a Kanye cycle longer than it hasn't been a Kanye cycle in terms of how long he's been famous, right? Like, Ye's been doing this for a strong 10 years now, real talk. Like, it's been that long that we've had these... They've they've gotten more intense and more increased, and he, like... Go ahead, Mary. I'd like to argue that it's been been longer. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know, I I, I do want to say that... um, it's hard to watch people get this wrong. That's what I sit with. Yeah. Um, my mother was bipolar and it didn't even get clarified until the last three weeks of her life on this planet. Um, I've had uh, mental health um, assisted needs be for my two foster brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have severe anxiety disorder. Um, my dad was severely depressed um, and had a substance abuse issue like Um, I've been educated on understanding mood swings with MS, which are part of, um, a mental health chemical imbalance with stuff. Like since I was 10, I've been trained to understand 
what a episode looks like, what a flare looks like, right. what all these things are, just given being a caretaker um, on top of being like a regular human being. And I've had a lot of friends that have attributed some of the things that Kanye has displayed um, for a very long time beyond these 10 public years of people actually noticing. Right. Um, but I just feel like I do not feel sorry for him. I just feel sorry for us that we do not have an understanding of this item within our community in a way to address it with compassion and care and concern outside right. of wiping it off the table and turning it into hate. Um, right. That's my issue. I think I get, that we have to be accountable to that. And I agree with that. And I also think that I do agree with that. I think the compassion and concern, I do also think that the challenge we've had, and I've said this here before, we can do more than what, like, we're very caught up on either or when when many things can be both and. So it's like we can have compassion for what's going on with someone and still hold them accountable for their behavior at the same time. So I do think also like, no, we don't need to crack jokes on those that we think are going through something. But we also shouldn't be like, oh, well, let's not actually pay attention to it or let's not hold them accountable for it because we know they have X, Y, Z going on. Um, but like I said, I did want to bring up the fact that we can't, we can't blame these, we can't blame people's bad behavior, even though, you know, their health, their mental health or a kind of crisis or a kind of mania may exacerbate behavior or may cause them to publicly present in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. We can't blame their health for Things they've been saying for a decade, basically. You know what I mean? Like, none of this... It's not like this is some brand new shit that came out of the blue. It's not It's not schizophrenia. You know, it's not that. It's not like, oh, this is a whole different side of this man that we've never seen before. He He's always well, been it actually, it actually, It actually could be. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you can't really pinpoint what is happening right now um, outside of this being an episode. Right. But, you know, I I also feel that we're just not equipped to talk about this because we're not him. That's and fair. I feel, and I feel really, um, I, I, I'm not here to, I'm not here for the advocacy of saving Kanye West. I don't believe in saving anybody who hasn't given me a check. Um, <laughs> I got to worry about I, I want to save my friends, right? right? I want to worry about my friends and my family members who have real issues and need support um, that have similar signs that he might be exhibiting or not. That's where I want this energy to transmute. I think focusing it all on a celebrity while not applying it to our daily lives and the people that we know in our lives who need the support is is a little concerning. And I think, and you know what, I, I will back up and say that your point about we're not qualified to talk about it because we're not him. That's actually kind of what I was trying to get to, which is which is we can't psychoanalyze these these people, these famous people, right, and their behavior, assuming even though our even though our, our we're going to want to because, like you said earlier about something else, we want to understand. We want things to make sense. We want to put them in a context in which we can say, oh, this is what's going on. Okay, that makes sense to, to me. And for us, 
that might most easily be rationalized like, well, if it's not addiction, then it's this. And if it's not this, then it's that. But it's rarely that simple. And we're all going through our own trauma and our own whatever. So I say all that. I was really saying all that to say, like, let's not A, blame bad behavior on mental health because it is offensive to people who actually are struggling with mental health issues. It is. Um, it is. Shout, out to, shout out to my friend, uh, Basie. She's really like, you know, even she's like, come on, y'all, like, we, we this is this is not mental health issues don't cause this um and you know mental health advocates i think are saying the same and secondly like to mary's point we ain't doctors like i was a psych minor so i'd be popping shit sometimes <laughs> but i i can't actually diagnose a nigga you know but like and, and i think a, a bunch of us have been in different spaces i've also been in spaces where i've seen people who um, my mother worked with people with special needs and and developmental delays and 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 you know who needed to be differently educated, et cetera, for her whole career. So I've seen that too. But yeah, like none of us, none of us know. No matter how much we're seeing, we don't really know. We don't actually really know what's going on. Um, so so two. I know one thing. This this record better slap. You doing all it's this? Not go- it's not going to. <laughs> you doing all this and if record That's one thing I do know. I do know that the record's not. I do know. I do know the record's not going to slap. You better have Prince and Michael Jack, uh, Michael Jackson unreleased verse. I do know, and I do know that the, the gap, the gap, the gap line is also not going to slap. Neither one of those things are going to slap. I'm just saying, like um, you doing all this, you better have some slappers. I better you know, like he doesn't. I, I better have a hard time trying to sit through not listen. I, I better. I, I need to. I want to feel ashamed that I like it. I want You're you to not, have that slapper. <laughs> you ain't even got to worry about that though, because that's not going to happen. I put that's what I will put money on. That shit ain't. I want us to like. Have a private Zoom where we all just are like, okay, we know, but let's, this is what is with us, right? Like we don't listen to this and just enjoy. I want to, I want to feel ashamed. Is she, is she Barry trying to give Kanye West the ball headed nigga treatment? As, I want to feel. I want to feel ashamed. Like I feel ashamed that some of, that Chris Brown is still out here not being held accountable. You got some slappers, and it's right. not, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. Oh, he clearly agrees. I don't think we're at the the, the last several years have shown me that we're not at risk of um. <laughs> oh being, but but I, I, I'm just saying you're doing all I this. This better slap. But Mary, you bring us towards our last closing point and a great segue. Speaking of people who were dealing with mental issues and came out of the dark and back into the light. Um, things that slap on tomorrow, which will be later today when you guys are listening to this. We have our next installment of Versus, which is the Battle of the Dogs. It is going to be Snoop, Doggy Dog, the D-O-double-G, and Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX. Now, I don't really know what Tim Swiss was thinking about when they put this match together. Aside from the fact that both of them wanted to do it, it is not a Sonic match. Do you have uh, thoughts you want to share, predictions, what songs you're looking forward to, how you think it's going to go? How many prayers do you think DMX is going to give us? Is he going to open with prayer? Is it just going to be a benediction? Is he going to pull the Bible out? What do you think is going to happen? I'm going to give it to Mary first. Go ahead, Mary. Go ahead. Because he's in his walk right now. Like, he's on his way to ministry. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Earl, I feel like Earl might win. Really? I'm I'm like, Mary. Oh, I, win. 
I feel like Earl might win. Now, I, at first, because I actually, when I went to the beach today and I did like a, my own little like DMX versus Snoop playlist, because I was just like, because we're doing the thing tomorrow. So yeah. I was like, let me, let me re-educate my catalog knowledge of this. If, if Earl is in his like barking Jesus bag, <laughs> he might, he might, he might do it. He but might he do it. Earl in his barking Jesus bag ain't got nothing on. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No I, I, got, I got you. Mary, Mary, I got you. Mary, I got you. Go ahead, Carl. See, this is this is the problem, Naima. People like you are putting too much intellect into this. Let me break That's this right. down while Earl Simmons Thank about you. to blow this nigga out the water. One, I'm going to give you steps and facts. Oh, this is the same dude. Don't have a whole lot of time, so don't give me a lot of time. It, it, it's real quick. This is the same dude who had two platinum albums in the same calendar year. Yes, I'm, I'm aware. We are also in the moment where everybody, for the most part, aside of a couple cities in this country, are still in the house, bored, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. There is no other artist and uh, rap history in terms of Northeastern rappers that makes you want to fight or jump off off a couch or be on the wall like Earl Simmons. But lastly, I I disagree. MLP does, but go ahead. Stop it. But lastly, lastly, this is what y'all forget about versus this ain't about who's the better artist or who got the better total package of, of catalog. This is about 20 songs. This is, I know, which is still. This is about a boxing match with 20 rounds and in boxing, all you have to do is win 11 of the 20. Because if you win 11 to 9, you win by the Georgia scorecard. But we don't score Yes, we do. I do it all the time. But the public doesn't. They're going by how they feel. DMX writes songs that you can feel. And he has at least 11 songs that is going to make us go crazy. Because she only got a handful of songs that I can count on one finger and got one hand and got fingers left over that's gonna make you hype enough to go against what DMX got and Swiss Beats Swiss Beats is not letting him lose this that's wrong that's wrong because here's the thing y'all are sleeping on Snoop I think everybody sleeps on Snoop no no we're not this this ain't the fight for Snoop listen you're right X got hard hitters but the thing about Versus is that it's always about who's got the jams. And Snoop has jams. You know what this is? This is a- pulls out, drop it like it's hot and beautiful, and it ain't no fun. That, that's cute. And, and, and that's, that's cute. even getting it. That's not even that's cute. great stuff. I even- when I hear money, cash, hoes, money, cash, so what? But then you want to hear it's like this. That and this center. I mean, come that, on. That's cute. Well, when they do, when he does one that's eight cute. seven, when he does one eight seven, or when he does. Oh man, come on. We'll see. We'll see. When that's does, cute. What like, these bitches want from a nigga? Nah. D I X has got some, but I'm telling y'all, between the Drake shit, between. The Pharrell shit between the Warren G shit and 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 who knows Snoop also did a double gospel album. Let's not forget that. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good This this battle reminds me of when we long ago at the beginning 
when we had the Jonte Austin versus Neo thing, and Jonte Austin whooped Neo's ass. Jonte would win though. People just don't have Jonte's name recognition like Neo. But I'm just saying, X got some joints, but Snoop is gonna make the people party. And as much as people want like to throw stuff around and everything, people also want a two step. And we I'm ready are to- in the middle of a racial uprising. We want to kick windows out and punch walls. No. Nope. In our hand. Yes, we do. All right. We got to wrap it up because we went longer than usual. I want to thank you, Mary Pryor. Tell the people where they can find you. Hi. My name's Mary. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter (laughs) at MissMaryPryor.com. Don't add me as a friend on Facebook. I won't add you back. I don't know you. You're from the internet. (laughs) Okay? Okay. Fair enough. Um... Karin, I think everybody already knows how to follow you. Karin is CJ at CJ Phillips at Twitter. I am at Naima at Twitter. We want to thank you guys once again for listening and remind you that there is a lot of other content and a lot of other ways that you can support us. Please subscribe to the Bomb Feed wherever podcasts are found or whatever, wherever you choose to listen. And also um, become one of our patrons at patreon.com. Uh, count the dings for exclusive content and some extras and as always let us know what you think of the show um we subscribe all that click subscribe rate comment all those wonderful retweet retweet share tell a friend to tell a friend all those great things um do you have do you have an offering message a benedict a benedictory message for the people today karn um yes uh one is always stop giving that white man your money (laughs) And you, um, given what time y'all gonna listen and click and subscribe to this, you will be hours away from Snoop Dogg in his ass in this versus battle. Okay, we gonna we gonna revisit. We'll revisit. Mary, thank you. I appreciate you. All right, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Next week.